Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, life does find a way in Jurassic World. What is really going on with the Star Wars anthology films? And just how long will Rob wait for an autograph from Donald Duck? All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome back, everyone, with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our programs. And a special shout out to all of our new audience members that are out there listening to our shows on our brand new networks on KBOG 97.9 FM, Bandon Community Radio, Youth Jam Radio in Perth, Australia, and also Variety FM in Australia as well. We thank you so much for listening. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend, actually two good friends. They are the minds behind Humanica Media and Hyperschmidt. I've got Josh Peterson and Chad Nathaniel Smith. How's it going, guys? Hello. Hello. I feel like you wanted to make like a peanut butter and jelly reference. Um, no, I was maybe like a uh, you know what? Yeah, let's go with that. Peanut butter and jelly reference. There you go. Just but it's gonna be a great episode we've got for everyone out there today. We're gonna be talking a lot about Jurassic World's big weekend at the box office. We're gonna be talking about who holds the upper hand in the burger wars and a whole lot more. But first, let us start off with the big topic for discussion, and that is the Star Wars Anthology series. Earlier last week, Collider had a story that said that they've delved in behind the scenes of Lucasfilm, and Lucasfilm has made the call to put a halt to the Star Wars Anthology series due to the poor performance from Solo, a Star Wars story. But there were other reports later in the week uh, actually refuting that original story that Collider had. So I guess what at this point in time, we're trying to weed through all this mess right now going on at Disney and Lucasfilm when it comes to the world of Star Wars. So I ask you guys, in fact, I'll start with you, Chad. What are your thoughts on the Star Wars anthology series, especially right now with it being in kind of a limbo status? I would like to believe this. the news is false about Lucasfilms doing what they're doing because they're such a big company that it would kind of be weird to let one little hit kind of falter them that much. It's like they're Disney that's partnering with Lucasfilms. Like, it's pretty much a monopoly right there, you know, on some pretty great stuff. So I would hope that they wouldn't let one movie kind of like stop them from making some others. I'm excited about some of the other movies in the anthology. I really hope that they don't put a hold on it just because Solo took a little bit of a hit. You know, it, you're not going to be able to win everyone. I think that they need to just keep going as strong as ever. 
Solo, a Star Wars story, has been reported to maybe lose anywhere from seventy-five to a hundred million dollars. It might be that big of a write-off for Disney. So what does that mean for the future of the Star Wars series, Josh? Because, you know, in the past, we've talked about a Boba Fett standalone movie. The Obi-Wan movie was said to be in pre-production already. And there were even more stories that were rumored to be coming down the pike. I, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for them to not do them. But at the same time, like, yeah, they because they have canceled whole franchises that they had planned out before. Remember with uh, even with just John Carter of Mars was one they had like theme park attractions and action figures and all that stuff in the pipeline for and then that ended up tanking and they canceled all that stuff but you know with star wars it's weird because you can have one good star you can have a bad star wars and then you can have a good star wars and you'll have all the good grace of the fans back you know it doesn't make sense that they would not make them because there's a lot of fans who want to see a lot of things but yeah. then again you know as we've learned lately with uh what's her name with the uh Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard. It's, it, the Star Wars market is very volatile and unpredictable. There's a lot of dark side. Oh, for real. Yeah. There is indeed. And there's been a lot of backlash. I guess it starts, I don't want to say it started with The Force Awakens because uh, there were people saying, yeah, it was a Star Wars rehash and whatnot, but it wasn't really to that level. It was really when The Last Jedi came out, and there was a lot, and I mean a lot, of social media backlash to it, even to the point today where Ryan Johnson was actually applauding the fact that, or in trolling, I guess, as far as that's concerned, a measure by a, a group of people actually getting together on social media and trying to raise money to make a new revised version of The Last Jedi. They've actually garnered up to $15 million now, they probably would have to actually get 20 times more than that to actually start feasibly thinking about a remake of The Last Jedi. But that alone tells you that there's a lot of animosity out there over the Star Wars series at this point in time. Chad, I ask you, with that animosity out there, was it a wise decision to even go ahead with the anthology series or maybe put it on the back burner a little while because of the fact that The Last Jedi was garnering so much ill will? It's funny. I think there was a lot of arrogance on Disney's part. I think they kind of bought Star Wars and was like, <laughs> we can't fail. Like, we can just do whatever we want and people are going to love it. And they saw in this second Star Wars movie that, okay, uh, maybe the fans are going to want to see some some truth to this universe. Star Wars isn't just, you know, outer space, space movie. There's, we've seen lots of space movies out there, but Star Wars carries this weight to it. At least it always has. This this very uh, sobering. I I don't know what the word is for it, but archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah, it just has this this really. I, ever since I was a child, you know, I saw I had seen Star Trek, I had seen the other movies, but I saw Star Wars, and I said, "This right here, there's something, there's something to this right here." So I think I think that maybe the Disney magic doesn't always work on it, but I was really really excited just about these movies, these anthology movies coming out, like Boba Fett. Come on, like. Obi-Wan Kenobi, so quotable, you know, I have a, oh, hello there, you know, our, our prequel memes, yeah, yeah Obi-Wan Kenobi's all over Reddit, so I think that they could have a lot of fun with a, a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Well, there's also the fact that this has been a feast or famine year for Disney, and the fact that, yes, they've had Black Panther, and they've had Avengers Infinity War, which combined have done over $3.3 billion at the box mm -hmm. office. Incredibles 2 is now closing in on half a billion dollars itself, 
and almost 400 of that is domestically here in the U.S. marketplace. Wrinkle in Time did only $100 million in the box office and didn't do much more internationally. And now we see the issues with Solo, where it probably will not even get close to $500 million worldwide at the box office. So this leads me into the question that I'm going to ask you now, Josh. I mean, we know Ant-Man is coming on the way, and that seems by all accounts so far to be a pretty good movie in as far as the Marvel concept is concerned. So there might not be issues there, but coming down the road to a new Star Wars movie, episode nine, December of next year, do you see a problem with that going forward? Or do you think people will have a renewed faith and love for the Star Wars universe by the time that rolls around or Obi-Wan or anything else comes along after that? I would hope that it would be renewed. Like J.J. Abrams is a director to get stoked about, but I want to go back to The Last Jedi for a minute because honestly, I feel like all of that is Disney's fault. They should have known Star Wars is not an independent film, so you're not allowed to take risks like they did with that, with Rian Johnson. What Rian Johnson did, he knew was going to divide Star Wars fans, and the point of a Star Wars movie, especially something with such a huge budget and a huge fan base, It's not to divide the fan base. It's not to be a divisive movie. You want to make something. I know it's very formulaic, but you would think that the point would be to make a movie that everybody wants to watch. And J.J. Abrams has always done a great job of that. But the whole thing with Rian Johnson, you know, I think Disney is only to blame for that, whether you liked it or not. Yeah, going back to J.J. Abrams, yeah, he's he's definitely a director to get stoked about. I, I can't remember even watching a movie by him that I've been disappointed by. So well, especially I, Star Wars. Spe- he, he aligns with Star Wars movies, I feel like, so well. Yeah, yeah, and like he because he did a great job of rebooting Star Trek, especially. So, I mean, this is his genre of film. So I think that putting J.J. Abrams back in the driver's seat for this next Star Wars movie is can only help them. They should have done it for the sec for the eighth one. Oh yeah, well. yeah. They, I, I'm always. They should have, I wish they had him do all all three of them. Yeah, I wish I could have seen like what his original script treatment was like for the Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are cool with an Obi Wan movie possibly coming out, but after that, like like I've said before, Boba Fett, Lando, they've all been rumored to be Star Wars anthology stories coming down the line, plus maybe some original ones like. Well, actually, semi-original, original concept, original story, whatever you want to, that's been put in the Star Wars timeline like Rogue One was. So you guys would be okay if the Star Wars anthology series continued because you see this only as a little blip in the radar failure when it comes to Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I think maybe they need to, instead of putting a halt to it, maybe just kind of reorganize which movies they're going to do next. Like, okay, guys, we get it. You didn't like Solo, but hey, check it out. Yoda's coming out. You know, like, I think... it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. I, I agree with you on that one. It's Amidala, the movie. Oh, <laughs> Not even Queen Amidala. Well, I mean, this goes back to something that, Josh, you and I have talked to before on our previous episodes is Boba Fett. There is a niche crowd that absolutely goes gaga when they heard the story that that there's a possibility that there will be a uh, Boba Fett entry in the Star Wars anthology series. But for us, it was just like, eh, so no big deal. I have a feeling that movie would be a lot more apathetic and actually garner less than Solo, a Star Wars story. I think if you're going to do it, you'd best be putting it on a television or streaming type format, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think they 
they uh need to kind of reassess the movies like what chatty was saying yeah. is that don't just assume like oh this guy sells action figures he has the most expensive not expensive but most valuable action figure of all time so we're gonna make a, a whole film based on him that's not a millennial judgment right there yeah for real they need to find out like what characters people would actually be interested in seeing movies on like rogue one i thought was amazing because it it told a story that we had grown up hearing about while watching Star Wars, but mm. you know, I don't really. There's a lot of these characters I just don't really, really care about. You know, I don't care about. Uh, Who'd be the the last character you cared about? Aside, Jar Jar Binks the movie. <laughs> I would love to see a Boss Nass movie. Nice. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, let's not go there. But a lot of these stories, I believe, can be told on a smaller format on a smaller screen, including. What we've also talked about before when it comes to John Favreau and his upcoming Star Wars television series that he's going to be creating, you can delve into several episodes and make it over the course of a season on a Boba Fett storyline, Lando storyline, and even more. Although I, I agree with you guys, I still think Obi-Wan can be good on the big screen. I will say this, that it is time for maybe, like you guys said, for Lucasfilm to reevaluate what the Star Wars series is all about and if they want to go ahead and continue on the path they're doing because either which way, whether they continue with it or they don't, they still have to make a sound decision in doing so. I understand that they want to recoup the $4 billion that they paid out to George Lucas for Lucasfilm, but... They don't need to get it back that quickly if it just means heavy losses each and every time out. Completely agree. It's a very precious, precious thing that they bought. Like, it's Star Wars. There's, it's magical. And it, Disney's magical. But maybe the two magics don't mix. You know what I mean? They need to figure that out. They do. And like I said, you know, Star Wars is not an independent film property. So you can't just say like, oh, I'm going to make this meta thing right. here and it's going to appeal to millennials but not to people who have been watching it since the 80s like okay it's the whole thing too with like you know that voltron cartoon they're like this isn't for the kids who grew up in the 80s watching this is for modern people but with star wars you don't have that luxury like you need to appeal to both because they're forgetting that the people taking their kids to see star wars are the people that grew yeah, up true, watching this in true, the 80s so true. you don't have the luxury of making something you'll be like you know who's really going to appreciate this the young, the nude people, the youths, they're the going to really appreciate this. Like they don't have that luxury. Yeah, it's true. They have to appeal to just such a wide audience with it. Yeah. Well, this goes to a question I have to ask you guys. And that is Kevin Feige has been one of the main cogs responsible in developing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He wasn't actually the, the top guy in charge when the Marvel Cinematic Universe started, but he helped get the ball rolling. He helped it started getting into a nice flow. And obviously with where we're at in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you can't say anything but that he's done an, an excellent job with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as soon as he was allowed to take over the full creative control and the full control of Marvel as far as, as the whole direction for it is concerned. So I ask you, is there an issue with at the top or maybe somewhere in the creative direction with Star Wars? And do you think that needs to be changed in regards to where Lucasfilm is concerned? Just maybe get a new direction or, or just come to agreement on what direction you're going to? Because not only do they have episode nine, 
the possible anthology stories, but also they have on the queue the, the Game of Thrones writers writing one set of a universe of movies. Then you have Ryan Johnson supposedly creating another universe of his own. Who knows where these timelines are going to fall and who knows when movies are actually going to be showing up on screen. But is it a little bit confusing now to this point? It's because to me, it's becoming more and more like the DC movie universe with each passing day. Are you talking about whereas like the the studio heads are kind of... Yeah, I'm not going to say Kathleen Kennedy because she's been a part of that whole... I, I mean, she's, she goes way back even to the Raiders of the Lost Ark deal and, and all that, but maybe not her, but just whoever is helping her come up with that type of timeline because we've seen with George Lucas, even his thoughts and his ideas for the Star Wars universe seem to go astray in the 90s as well. I think that in a sense, this is kind of this is kind of weird. This, my whole thought is like the Star Wars universe is kind of lactose intolerant, where as opposed to the Marvel universe, it can be cheesy. You know, that's true. You can get like you can be cheesy with it, and I think Disney was trying to, they were trying to test the waters and see how cheesy they could get with Star Wars. Which don't get me wrong, like Episode One, Two, and Three, you definitely saw a lot more cheese on Episode One, Two, and Three than you did in you know Four, Five, and Six. Like that, but it was like what, what type of cheese though? Is it are we talking parmesan or are we talking ricotta or are we talking you know Limburger cheese? Here? One left out. Yeah, Limburger. Yeah, definitely it's a Limburger, but it's consistency of a ricotta. So it's like a very smooth Limburger. Yeah, like you said, like you've, it's been left out. Yeah, I don't know. They they really need to they need to get it together because it's like they're trying to just tell stories through this medium of Star Wars, but Star Wars is kind of it's its own thing. You know they need to they need to stop trying to make it their thing. They need to like roll with what Star Wars is. That's that that is true. I haven't thought about that. Like it's the, dry. Star Wars is it, like it, at least in its originality. Like it was a really dry movie. I feel like. Well, it, so like the the original trilogy was was so wide spanning, you know. And in this one, it's this one's very linear. So it kind of makes the whole thing with the First Order feel pointless, like a bunch of squabbling kids. Because before you could see how the Empire was affecting this system and that system or these people and this people but now that it just feels like it's a couple of uh like it's like a high school rivalry you know between football yeah, teams yeah and they're just like you know put tping each other's houses and stuff and it just doesn't it's not going anywhere maybe it's like apple you know it's like once steve jobs left the company it's like yeah it was, it's still apple but like it's not like from that one person's brain that's just kind of like inventing this all this stuff you know it's like they kind of taken george lucas out of out of the element and now it's kind of like Let's just kind of try and branch off from George Lucas. It's not George Lucas. Hey, make something completely brand new. Same thing. It's, if they're not like, hey, here's the iPhone that Steve Jobs would have liked. It's like, well, you don't know that he's dead. Like he might, he probably would have wanted a whole different thing by now. But you're still trying to do something he would have liked. Yeah, um, we're marketing to millennials. This is the me phone. <laughs> ah. Ah. Okay. My phone. Yeah. <laughs> You guys just have hit it right on the head there with what you're talking about when it comes to the Star Wars anthology series. I hope there's a clear direction going forward because it is becoming a little bit muddled when it comes to what projects are going to be actually completed, what are just on the drawing board, and what are eventually just thrown out. It's becoming more and more like the DC movie universe with each passing day. And that's not a good thing to emulate because (laughs) there's a lot of chaos there. There's a lot of just bad stuff going on there and they need to get their act together and maybe they're trying to do so now at warner brothers but at lucasfilm they got a bigger fish to fry because with the star wars universe out there the fans are so passionate 
one way or the other. And as we've seen in the past few months, that it really can be harsh. It really can be tough. And with in the case of Solo, a Star Wars story, it can be detrimental to a movie as well. So we've got a lot to think about when it comes to the Star Wars anthology series. It looks like either which way, whether they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with them or whether they're going to go ahead with them or not. I think at this point in time, they're putting it all on hold and reevaluating Star Wars as a series and going forward from there. And we can only hope that at this point in time, they're going to make the sound decisions for the Star Wars series so that fans everywhere can be unified in their love for the series once again. What are your thoughts out there on the Star Wars anthology series? Do you still like to see them? Would you like to see, like we were talking about, with a possible Lando, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan movie? Would you still like to see those come out? Or are you done with them and just want the biannual Star Wars movie to come out at this point in time? Or are you done with Star Wars altogether? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, we still got a great show for you. We've got Rob McCallum coming up next in a Cosmic Crossfire. We're going to be talking a lot about Jurassic World. We're going to be talking about the Roseanne show without Roseanne, Movie Pass, Burger Wars, and a whole lot more. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the traveling man today. It is my good friend from Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out all the great things that are going on with his awesome experience known as Rob McCallum Films with Box Art, the Kitty documentary, the He-Man documentary, Power of Grayskull coming up, and so much more by checking out today on robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. It's my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. Busy man. Busy man. Busy day today, my friend. Uh, a lot going on, but uh, that is just another day, I suppose, in life. It just depends on where the busyness is coming from. We are getting set to move, and it goes on when you move from place to place, and we got moving from a house to another house. So lots of packing, lots of paperwork. It's happening, but there's always time for the crossfire, I hope. Anyways, well, this is, what, the third time you've had to pack in less than, what, uh, eight months? That's ridiculous. Let's just say that. It's ridiculous. It is. So, but you can't keep the spirit down, right? No, nor the cinder blocks. No, if you know Rob McCallum. But, Your hands uh, haven't run the stairs. No, they, they haven't. And I think I still will be traumatized for the rest of time for that. There's only but, one word that describes that. Wicked. Wicked indeed. Wicked indeed. <laughs> but we're here to talk today about pop culture. And I know you're extremely busy. And we truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. But... Pray tell, Rob, 
what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Last thing I want to talk to you about, since we're talking about waiting 28 years for a film, the last thing I want to put out there, this goes back to our ongoing discussions of theme parks. We talk about theme parks in a bunch of different ways. There was big news that Tokyo Disney is doing a $2.8 billion expansion with worlds for Frozen and Peter Pan, and including an in-resort hotel called Disney Sea, which of course echoes what's going on with Star Wars and the in-park hotel that they're doing there at Galaxy Edge. It was Donald Duck's birthday not that long ago, and there was a wait for 600 minutes to meet Donald Duck at Tokyo Disney. This is 10 hours in line. You're going to wait to meet the character, who we all know is just some character in a costume, signing autographs and taking pictures. Is it worth the wait, Gerald? Should we wait 10 hours to meet Donald Duck? Oh, my gosh. Uh, All I say is this. I have a daughter that's really invested into Disney and finds out all these things that you do when it comes to the Disney park expansions, the the Disney insider news and all that. And I got wind of this through her and it's just, it's insane, man. I mean, the frozen ride, when it came out, what uh, in, in Orlando, that one is just, you know, people were waiting like five, seven hours as far as for that as well for a three minute ride. It's insane, man. I would not wait 10 hours. Now, if you paid me, that's a different story. And you paid me a lot of money. I, I go say hi to Donald Duck, but you'd have to pay me a lot of cashola, man. A lot of cashola. The other thing is this was wilderness Donald too, right? This was not like standard classic Donald. This was in Frontierland. This wasn't in, you know, like in Epcot where he's got like the, the Calbrero, the Sombrero. This was wilderness Donald. So he's like an offshoot. 10 hours is a lot. And I'm sure it's going to be different when those autograph autograph books get in my kids' hands and they want to get everybody signing them and and getting it all settled. But 10 hours is a lot. I put it this way. I would make sure that I'm there at the park a couple days to get up early and try to get that Donald Duck autograph to complete the collection. But 10 hours is a whole day, especially imagine in the sun right now. But let me ask you this. What if your son or daughter, you were happened to be in tokyo disney and your son or daughter just had to have that donald duck autograph and you had to wait that 10 hours for it would you nope too bad tough love i'd I'd say we all need something to want and yearn for in life you have this one thing now that that you you have to spend the rest of your life trying to acquire it's called motivation tactics or you take the book to the restroom say i i'm gonna be right back uh, and then i'm just gonna go let me see what i can do hey look donald signed this i ran into him he went quackers yeah yes he was on break yeah (laughs) right there folks that is typical rob mccallum hey we'll get it done it might not be the best means but it'll get done there you go why does it say jay bartlett on this autograph book i don't worry about that don't worry That'll do for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire, Gerald. I'm glad uh, that we're putting out these standalone episodes too, not just cut up into segments as part of the PCC or the multiverse, yeah? That's correct, and it's been great. I tell you what, I truly want to again thank everybody on the Retro City Games Facebook page because they have been eating our podcast up like crazy, including your last full Cosmic Crossfire, which has garnered hundreds of views out there. We just truly appreciate them taking the time to listen to our shows cannot thank them enough for doing so and again everyone else that listens to us on podbean apple podcasts and so many other outlets even youtube you want to check us out we're on several youtube outlets as well we just cannot thank you enough in fact if you want to ask us any questions for the show 
You can always reach us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Plus also, at Rob McZomb on Twitter, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. And speaking of Rob McCallum Films, can we get an update of what's going on in your world when it comes to Rob McCallum Films? Oh, my friend, I got lots going on. I'm embarking, of course, on the two horror scripts that I told you about. I'm still working on the one before I shift my to the other. I've got a short film in the works that actually might involve some stop motion animation. That might tie into a new comic book project that I'm, I'm also kind of starting to get off the ground as a cross-promotion kind of thing. And uh, lots going on for the Nintendo Quest video game, Gamer Quest as well, and we take control of an 8-bit J trying to collect games in a PG-like slash sim-like uh, reality that has you traveling from town to town, collecting these games in a universe where game collecting determines social status. And what else? What about uh, Box Art, Power of Grayskull? Power of Grayskull is, is coming out soon. Still can't say too much. We were supposed to be in the middle of a massive marketing push, but then we had some things happen. And we are not doing that because we can't quite open pre-orders up for ourselves yet, but that doesn't mean our original release dates aren't holding. It just means the plans we had in motion have been put on hold until after the big release happens. Box art doing really well. We're going to be digging back into it as post audio is starting to happen with music creation and, and other sound design drops and just bring on a lot of people to be involved as uh, third-party collaborators with different segments. So it uh, it is trucking along too. And you've got Kitty's Origins and Evolutions on Amazon. And you're also, speaking of Amazon Prime, you've got a lot of great things going on when it comes to Missing Mom and all those reviews. Yeah, Missing Mom has done incredibly well. We hit over the 250,000 view mark on Amazon Prime in just uh, two and a half months. So that's been really great for us to see it reach such a wide audience. More people continue to reach out every day. And those five-star reviews that everybody keeps leaving have been really helpful and beneficial. Kitty Origins Evolutions continues to make its way across the globe as fans from every corner of the planet have been discovering the film and reaching out saying how much they love and how much they've been waiting for this to hear the story from Kitty's own words and not have anybody interrupted and just have the band tell their story of what's happened over their 20-year legacy career and how it's uh, shaped everything uh, for them and everything else afterwards. Just so much on the plate for you, man. How can you just handle it all? I'm telling you. And a uh, family man, too. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Well, we truly appreciate you swigging back a couple of cups before you came on the show and appreciate your inspired performance right here in the Cosmic Crossfire. I'm inspired by our, our discussion today. I'm inspired to quit talking about pop culture for another week. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rob, it's always so great to have you on the show. And of course, a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate you sticking around with us. This is Gerald Glassford along with Josh Peterson and special guest Chad Nathaniel Smith of Hyperschmidt. 
just want to tell you out there, it's so great to have you listening to the show. If you need a list of all of our stations that we're on, what days we're on, what times, or a listing of where you can download our shows, check us out today on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, but before you do, man, I got to ask Chad, we need an update, man. What's going on in your great world of Hyperschmidt? Let me tell you what's going on. Yodeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of yodeling. We've pretty much gone in a whole like Swiss direction with that. Yeah. yeah just yeah. yodeling. Over, over, short overalls. Ricola. Yeah. <laughs> Goats. I think I'm done writing music for this thought, this idea that I'm on. And so what I've been doing is me and Travis Hudai, or if you combine those two words, True Die, that's his music name that he's going under. We've been going around and preparing our live show. So he's my drummer. And so the songs that I've been writing and producing, he's he's drumming for in the background. But what's really kind of cool is he's also a producer and a writer. And I'm also a drummer. So throughout the show, we're switching and he's performing his songs. I'm performing mine. Not only am I getting a cool vocal rest where I get to relax my vocal cords, but I'm getting to drum, which is not something you get to do as a lead singer. So that's something you truly miss when you're a drummer, not being able to drum. And so I wanted to do more than just play some drums during a song. So I think I'm I'm his biggest fan of his music, and I think he really likes my music. So it, it works out really well. So we've been preparing music. We have a concert this Wednesday, and so we're we're just looking to to uh, just play lots of shows now. And you can find all of his great music today on the Hyperschmidt YouTube channel. That's H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T. Hyper and then Schmidt spelled like school and baseball mitt. Schmidt. With an extra T. With, an extra, with one extra T. School yes. mitt. Or yeah, school. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I need to figure out a better way to tell people to spell it. Josh, tell me, Matt, what's going on with Humanica Media? Topicocalypse. That's pretty much all I'm making these days. So uh, Chad and I did a little E3 chat. Uh, mm. Was it? Two weeks ago we got down and dirty with the e3 news and what's up yeah so yeah you can check out both of those apps are up now and then also earlier today i posted a new episode talking about is hollywood ruining good stories to promote social causes kind of like what we talked about it's more at length though you can find all the great shows that he has as part of the humanica media universe including insights topic apocalypse what about this and Super BS Gamescast, you can catch it today, all those channels on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so many other various outlets. Josh, Chad, want to give everybody an update as well on some things that we have talked about. Want to give a big thank you to SiriusXM and their SiriusXM Spoke social media app for actually picking up our show as far as a bit from it when we were talking about the Roseanne show, the Roseanne controversy and what we thought of it as far as what you cannot say on social media and the consequences of it when you do well it looks like abc is going to go ahead with a roseanne-less roseanne show type deal focusing on the connors as a whole especially i believe sarah gilbert if i'm not mistaken so quickly josh your thoughts on this change we knew it was going to come back in some form or another we thought somebody would else would pick up Roseanne per se and the whole show, but this seems to be like a more socially conscious version of what they're going to be doing now, minus Roseanne Barr. I don't think it's going to do well because if anything, like there's a lot of people against Roseanne, but there's a lot of people who are in Roseanne's corner. You know, not so much as approving of what she said, but more 
willing to forgive her for something but i don't think the show is going to do all just because it's already wrapped in controversy and if it ends up coming out and it's not that good after having all that hype people aren't going to watch it i think that there were a bunch of people in the studio and they had all gotten together wrote written some stories and they were all like okay cool like sweet like you know we're gonna make money from this like this is great we have jobs and stuff then all of a sudden this one lady tweets something and they're like all this is at jeopardy we can still make something out of this right we can this, okay let's just write something so they, they probably wrote some stuff and they're like okay this is great so i'm just guessing it's like a scrounge together the remains and you know and they try and make their cake after it falls well even if they make what half the ratings that they once did even with the last few episodes they're still going to be doing better than a lot of the shows on television so yeah broadcast television yeah right yeah. So when they tell you it's not about the money, it's all about the money. So it does garner ratings. And I think a Roseanne-less Connor show will still do some type of ratings. Whether or not it's going to be good or not, that I'm not sure of. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of feedback from it. I'm going to go ahead at that point in time and talk to our good friends at the TV Ratings Guide. They're going to let me know as far as the feedback from the shows and if it's still worth watching for those Roseanne fans who are looking for any type of content that's based in that Connor universe. One last thing we need to follow up on, Josh, you and I, for the Friday show, we talked at length about MoviePass and how much we enjoyed the value of it. And we were laughing and basically trolling on the attempts, or for lack of a better word, on the theater chains that were trying to do their own version of MoviePass and how laughable they were. Well, lo and behold, the day that we run the show, MoviePass announces surge pricing that could be coming into effect very soon with surge pricing based off of popularity, time of day, is the movie just out, first weekend, that type of deal, which could create a less attractive feature for those that currently have or want to buy the MoviePass option. Do you think this is because it's not sustainable and they're starting to see that it's not sustainable? You and I both loved it, but I could sense in your voice when you were talking about on the Friday that you did not think it was going to be a sustainable model over the long term. And even though they do garner some funds in regards to third-party advertising, third-party promotion, things of that nature, you're right. It, it looks like it is starting to catch up with them and surge pricing is involved in that process. They're having to pay theaters something. I mean, that's the only way that this whole system would work. But it kind of defeats the purpose to do surge pricing to say, hey, you have to pay a certain amount because people have the movie pass because it's a bargain. But now they're raising prices and they're doing stuff like that. And they're like, you know what? You might as well just buy a movie ticket at that point. I agree with you. I agree with you. Chad, any thoughts? I think they just got a little greedy with it. You know, they started realizing, wait, 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 we can make a little bit more money off of this. You know, and they're a captive audience. How can we benefit off of this? Okay, uh, we're going to charge more off the new movies, uh, which is interesting. I wonder how much you know the ratings are changing because people that word surge, you know, they're going back and when these new movies are coming out, they're getting a lot of ticket sales. You know, the movie companies off of these brand new movies. So I wonder who's having to eat it. Really, is it the movie theaters that are having to eat the difference of all these people that would have been spending you know all this money on these tickets that are just using their pass? And they're, you know, the movie studios are expecting this amount of money from the numbers. So I wonder if they're like, oh, we're, you know, they realized there was a deficit or, or are they just like, hey, we can make more money. Doesn't that sound great? And then the other guy in the board meeting said, whoa, we can make more money. I like that. 
and then they you know they cheered and high-fived each other and sent put made that post <laughs> exactly but i will say this that because the pricing is threatening to go up that is going to be deterring a lot of people from wanting to keep that movie pass model in fact i spoke to someone today that has caught up with the movies that I guess maybe had not had the chance before to do so with movie pass because of the sheer enjoyment of being able to go and catch up with a movie every day. It's up to movie pass. Like you said, Josh, with a sustainable business model to have to do and resort to things like these, but it does make the movie pass less attractive. And I know a less attractive for a lot of people long-term speaking of movies, we just had one that hit huge in the u.s domestic box office over this past weekend it was jurassic world fallen kingdom that it took a bite out of the box office something like that yes uh it did take a huge bite out of the box office about 150 million dollars in the u.s marketplace it is now done over 700 million dollars worldwide already at this point in time because it debuted first overseas want to ask you guys real quick do you think that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom will continue this type of success or do you see it with a huge drop in the weeks to come as more movies come out? Ant-Man and Wasp, that's like the next big movie. So I, I think Jurassic World will do well at least until that comes out. You know what's cool about Jurassic World is no one else out there is making movies like this. You know, I mean, it's like I know they're bringing dinosaurs back to life, but it's like if you think about it, like, you know, there's all these kaiju movies. OK, you know, that's like King Kong, and these giant things. But. No one's just, you know, bringing back the simplicity of dinosaurs. It's true. Sans genetically modified dinosaurs. But no one's just bringing back, you know, just these dinosaur movies where... And Jeff Goldblum. And Jeff Goldblum. Come on. It's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. yeah. What we else love, did you ask for? We all love Jeff Goldblum. You know, put him in a dinosaur movie. Exactly. That's $300 million for you right there That's just by right having right. him in the you movie. Say, oh, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I think it's going to keep doing good if, if they stray true to their uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is like a Star Wars kind of thing. That's what I, I, was, I was telling someone that the other day. But Jurassic Park doesn't have a heavy mythology to build off. Well, it's of. dinosaurs. It's dinosaurs. You people. It's when, already there. When you go to see a Jurassic Park movie, you know what you're going to get. You're yeah. going to get people screaming. You're going to get dinosaurs. People are going <laughs> to get gonna eaten, be biting people with their and teeth. It's going to be teeth and scary stuff. That's and, that's all. There's yeah. no like you don't have to worry about like we're the origin of the Jedi or there's dark dinosaurs. This doesn't this line one. up with canon. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You just exactly. It's like, oh, cool. People just want to go and be entertained and then go home and uh, and one they want to see one dinosaur mixed with another dinosaur that's true that's true that Gen fights genetic engineering yeah. yep that's also that has to be in the mix yep it has played out very well to audiences like i said 150 million here in the u.s 560 million dollars plus worldwide outside of the u.s at the box office it's truly a big hit this obviously is going to lead inevitably to a third in the series i know you guys still haven't seen it yet but are going to see it this week what do you look forward to in a possible third installment of the Jurassic World series? I want the gang to get back together. <laughs> I want to get uh, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, Dr. Malcolm. If they want to, they can even throw that annoying kid from the third one in there. Name a more iconic yeah. duo. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see anything else. They don't even have to have you. dinosaurs. I mean, this could just be a movie. That just, it just gets them. away from the dinosaurs completely. Yeah, they could just be sitting in in like a, a bar or something with like a dinosaur <laughs> hanging on the wall or something, and I would still go to see this movie. What if it goes in the way similar to what happened when the Jurassic Park series 
when the dinosaurs made land in San Diego and wreaked havoc there. Do you see something similar to where the dinosaurs are going to be able not only to invade the entire area surrounding area outside of the island, which obviously they get to in this movie, but because they're actually brought abroad as the as the island goes literally up in smoke in a volcano. Do you see it actually evolving where the point where it could lead to in the creator's eyes of whoever's designing the next movie into where it's, it's becoming like almost like an ice age once again with the dinosaurs becoming a dominant force on the earth once again? That would be wonderful. I love that idea. Mm, that's like a post-apocalyptic type thing. Like yeah. I would be down to see that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because there's people, it's like you go to see Jurassic movie and you're kind of, I don't know if it's just me. This might reveal just a dark side about myself, but you're kind of rooting for the dinosaurs. Like you're going into it knowing that these people are going to get massacred by these dinosaurs. Right. So you're watching it and you, as you see little pterodactyls, like picking people up, you're like, Oh, <laughs> like you're almost kind of rooting for the dinosaurs a little bit because it's, it's like, they're, they're just these creatures that we, you know, we've made. So it's like, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy seeing at least what I've, what I've gathered, you know, you see these dinosaurs in the ocean with these surfers and it's just like, people are just going to get messed up because we've been screwing around with, you know, chemistry and biology together. It's Michael Crichton's original uh, point was to say we should not be playing God. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, we've already, we've already played God and now it's coming back to haunt us. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically, theoretically. <laughs> that's the big point. The quotation marks with the fingers. <laughs> exactly. But it is doing big around the world and people seem to be enjoying it. it. Looks like it's just a matter of time before it hits a billion dollars, along with Incredibles 2, which is also still doing well at the box office. It's making for a better year financially in 2018 than in past years, even last year, doing a little bit better now uh, box office wide. So that is great news for people heading to the theaters that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is doing so well. It's a good movie, according to a lot of word of mouth. Some little feedback here and there, but for the most part, people are enjoying it. And it looks like it's definitely got a long ways to go before it gets out of theaters. And it looks like it's going to be another big hit for Universal this time around. Chris Pratt's like, our, I feel like our generation's Harrison Ford. There you go. What are your thoughts out there on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Have you gone to see it yet? What are your thoughts on the movie? Are you excited to see another installment in it? What about MoviePass? Are you not so thrilled about the possible surge price increase as far as the overall membership is concerned? Is this trouble you? Are you ready to cancel out of it? Or are you still going to be a MoviePass holder? And of course, what are your thoughts on the new Connor series that is going to be developed by ABC that does not have Roseanne in the title role anymore? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Manic Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. So coming up next, we've got two interviews back-to-back. We've got Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games. He has an interview with Brian Burnell of PlayMaji talking about the new Polymega console system that just blew Doug away when he was at E3. And then following that up with you guys, you were at E3 2018 as well. You got a chance to interview Tim Kittrow of the Mutant Football League, and he's going to kid around with Chad right here after the break as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, 
Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D, and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. Hey guys, this is Doug from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here on the floor of E3 at the IndieCade, um, standing here with Brian, uh, who's working on the new project for the Polymega. Um, why don't you give us a little rundown of what it is and uh, what you guys are doing right now. I'm Brian Burnell, the uh, CEO of Playmaji. We're the company that's making the Polymega system. The Polymega is a new retro-focused modern game console. It gives you kind of some of the features that you would expect to see in a newer system from like Nintendo or Sony, but it's really focused on the, moder- on the retro console experience. So uh, you have a base unit, which is compatible with Optimus disc games from PlayStation, Neo Geo CD, uh, TurboGrafx CD, and Sega CD, but it also has hot-swappable modules, which will allow you to use your original game cartridges and controllers for systems like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and TurboGrafx-16. So that's a lot of consoles you're going to have to play. Um, I know we talked about this earlier, but why don't you tell our viewers about, uh, is it emulation, is it hardware? I know it's a mix of both. Um, can, you, can you expand on that? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, so our system uses a, is a new patented method called hybrid emulation and what it does is it takes a, it uses an FPGA as well as a traditional CPU in concert with one another we have a custom memory controller which it uses to interpret cartridge data off of the cartridge in real time while running emulation on the CPU so it's an entirely new thing that no one's ever done before and this is something that we've invented the games you physically put in will run off of the the hardware the actual chipset it'll be it'll be true hardware and the games that you rip to the system will be run off the, the emulator side that's right that's why we run emulation in parallel is because if the cartridge is not inserted, you can't really, you know, you still have to run emulation. Hybrid emulation only works when you have a cartridge inserted, but if it's a game that has a chip on board of it, on board it, such as, say, Star Fox with a Super FX chip, or actually when you have that cartridge inserted, we're using the, the FX chip that's on the cartridge to emulate. And that's awesome. I know it's a big problem, especially in, in this space with, you know, the, the clone consoles that have come out in the past few years and everything. The, the quality of emulators and the quality of the way they interact with with modern tech is 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 sketchy. This looks amazing. I mean, uh, we were playing it earlier, and it's it's virtually no delay. I mean, it looks it looks crisp and clean on a uh, on a modern HDTV. Um, it's HDMI out, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we have HDMI out. We're not supporting RGB or composite. Our whole re- our whole uh, I guess vision for this project is how will games uh, be played for classic consoles like 20 years in the future. And you know, so while supporting the classic consoles and the classic TVs is great. We really are focused on just making this this modern experience that you can have in your living room. You know, plug in your old cartridges, back them up onto the system, build your digital library, and have this be a thing that's a, that can sit stand alone in the in the modern living room, and then have your awesome game room with your CRT and the original consoles and all that stuff. You know, all built up for that for that you know final experience. Well, was that the inspiration for the console as far as like future proofing? You know, these old games that still have a market and people still go back to and enjoying a whole new generation is getting into. Was was that the whole idea behind this, trying to future proof that? Absolutely. Well, I ran into this problem when I went to Japan about, uh, I guess it was in summer 2015. I came back, I dumped all my, my luggage out in my hotel room and filled it up 
filled each bag up with uh, retro consoles from Japan and games. And I was really excited. I came back and I plugged in all my, my consoles and everything to my modern living room. I didn't have a CRT at the time. And I just realized, you know, there was a lot of problems. You know, the, the age-old issue, I guess, for everyone who's tried to do this is that the picture quality is, is not correct, right? It's, it's not meant to run at this resolution. A lot, a lot of RF and composite from back yeah, in the day. Yeah, so you, so you end up learning how to do things like RGB modding your, your consoles, replacing capacitors that are leaking. The, the upscalers. All that but, stuff, yeah. yeah. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I come from a development background. I was a producer at, uh, at Insomniac Games working on Ratchet & Clank for a long time. And, you know, I basically kind of like looked around. I was like, I have this great team of people who have already, you know, who are really smart in terms of hardware, in terms of software, uh, and all of this stuff. Um, you know, we, we're basically like, there's not really a great console out there that does all of this stuff. And as a, as a collector myself, I'm a huge fan of the PC Engine. And uh, you know that system has a great catalog of CD-based games, and I was just really like, you know, I don't really have an option out there as a gamer. Like, if I'm a Nintendo collector, I could go play a Retron or, or whatever, but I really wanted the ability to play CD-ROM games, so we made sure that it had a CD-ROM in it so that you can support everything. That is definitely something that's setting you guys apart. Everybody I know that I've talked to about this it talks about the CD drive, and they're a little skeptical at first until you see it working, and it's like that's it's amazing because we've gotten used to seeing at least a clone system here or there with with uh, cartridges, but this it, it just so seamless. It works so well. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on the on the whole user experience, uh, how to make this all future proof and really carry things forward. Even the aesthetic, the packaging, everything, the way the way the um, the packs come, all you know, uniform looking package. They look clean on a shelf. They're not going to take up you know ten cubbies on your uh, entertainment center. Um, I know you're talking about you're a huge PC Engine fan. Um, how is the support? Now we're moving forward going to be with the import market as far as, you know, Japanese games, you know, PAL, Pal J games, PAL games and uh, NTCJ. It's 100%, we 100% support all the games. So basically everything's region free. So you can play PC Engine games, Super Graphics games and all that kind of thing. You play, the only thing that you can't do right now is on the NES module, you can't play Famicom games because they have a different pinout for the yeah, yeah. for the cartridges. But we will be rolling out a Famicom module uh, shortly after launch. I know you were talking earlier that it, uh, the, the interface, you know, as far as ripping the games is similar to an iTunes type setup. Could you expand on that um, as far as like how much internal memory, what, is it expandable, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. So the system uh, at its base has 16 gigabytes of eMMC flash memory on it. And that's that's prim primarily used for your save states and screenshots and stuff like that. So on the back of the console, there's an SD card slot and you can expand the, the storage of the system up to 500 gigabytes right now. That's really pretty much the largest SD card you can get. Which in the retro world might as well be infinite. <laughs> well, possibly, but... No, I mean, as far as the 16-bit prior type of thing. Yeah, if you're, but if you start, start talking about CD-ROM yeah, games, you're yeah. talking about, you, you could get a few hundred CD-ROM games That's on there, right? That's still a pretty decent chunk Quite a lot, of the yeah. Backups, but they I mean? are working on a one-terabyte card, which you, I mean, you can pretty much do anything with. So That's pretty awesome. That's the next thing, yeah. Well, I'm super excited about it. Uh, thanks for taking time. Uh, can you tell everybody uh, when it's going to be about, price points, uh, when are you guys rolling everything out? We're doing the pre-order uh, towards the end of summer. There will be more details uh, announced on that pretty soon, but basically, uh, yeah, end of summer for the pre-order. The system is $249.99 for the base unit. The module sets are $59.99. We'll have bundles and packages and all that kind of stuff that people can get. And we're targeting to deliver it by the end of the year. It might, one of the one or two of the modules may go into two, uh, Q1 2019, but, you know. And where can everybody go to pre-order that? Is it uh, playmega.com? Polymega.com. Polymega yeah, P-O-L-Y-M-E-G-A.com. That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking your time. Absolutely. Thank I you appreciate so much. It. Good talking to you. Thank you. Here at E3, Mutant Football League, we've got the voice of the game. This is Tim. Or as uh, I'm known in this game, Grim Blitzrow, a.k.a. Mr. Boom Shakalaka from NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, and a bunch of other games. So you got a lot of voices right there. You've got oh, some yeah. nice uh, yeah. timbre right there. Yeah, you it. know what? I want that. 
Oh, that's fantastic! You know what, you're an idiot. Oh, that's, so that's great. we got three, three different characters <laughs> in the game, and it's, it's, it's a challenge in the studio, but we have a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so for the fans that have never played Mutant Football League, can you tell them just real quick what they would like to see compared to, let's say they've just been playing Madden. Why should they come oh, over? Because Madden's like, you know, getting a PhD. You gotta take your time, you gotta spend three hours getting invested, the length of time, all the commercials. This is jump in and have fun. Yeah. And and I did blitz back in the day, so then arcade fun, you can get in for five, ten minutes and have a ball. And it's also great because it parodies all the uh, NFL teams. Nice. Uh, the, the names, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just great names. The Nuke London Patriots, Bomb Shady. Nice. Bomb Shady in the shotgun formation, pulls on a shotgun, and shoots the defender's head off. Way to go! And that gives whole new meaning to the phrase shotgun formation. Nice. So you've got dirty tricks. You've got like four or five secret dirty tricks. You can you know, pull out a shotgun. You can uh, pull out a bomb. You can turn ginormous. And there's just so You can kill a ref, bribe a ref. So all the, the fun that you used to have with Blitz, but way over the top because the NFL wasn't looking over our shoulder. So we, right. we actually have a little bit more adult swim nice. kind of style content. Nice. Awesome. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of animation. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you just want to get on with your friends and just, just go at it, have some fun. Yeah. You know, you always try and like tackle your friends while you're playing like football games. Right. But here you actually get to like just kill them. Great. You get to kill no, them. You get to kill yeah. them. <laughs> and he just stepped on that guy's spleen. Yeah, my bad. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, nice to have you down here. Boom shakalaka. Play mutant football league. Play mutant football league. That's right. Get off the couch and do something with your life, for God's sake. <laughs> Based on the webcomic by Sanomaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and Turbo Graphics systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. And we're back to close out the show. I want to thank Tim Kitzrow. I also want to thank Brian Burnell, Douglas Hoyabu, Rob McCallum for all appearing on the show today. Guys, before we head on out, got to ask you, the Burger Wars seem to be getting hot and heavy at this point in time because they are really going at it tooth and nail on social media, on television advertising here in the United States, and pretty much around the world as well. So I got to ask you guys, I know you guys are fast food aficionados, unfortunately like me as well. You see the ads all the time with McDonald's, Wendy's, Carl's Jr., a.k.a. Hardee's, In-N-Out, Jack in the Box, Whataburgers, and so many others. The list goes on and on, which spend millions of dollars each year on advertising and also social media as well. Who do you think has the leg up right now as far as perception in regards to the Burger Wars? Who do you think has a leg up right now and why? I want to say Wendy's. Hey, is, that's what I was going to say. Wendy's is owning social they media are. right now. They they're really, just, really are. Whoever is they, running their Twitter they're is woke. just, they're, they're woke <laughs> and they are just so quick witted. They are. It, it's, it's, it's amazing. Wonderful. It you amazes me. And you can't say in and out. They're too local. Yeah. But Wendy's, I've seen so many burns by them where these other companies, they'll tweet something and Wendy's, their comebacks are just, they're not good. They're great. Like, they're, they're great. And they're, 
funny too. They've never been frozen in their comebacks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on the burger wars? Who do you like as a burger? You got to tell us. We got to know. Red Robin, Chili's. There's so many out there that I know you guys and gals out there that like to tell us. Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Comedia, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. So guys, it's been great. Any last thoughts on the way out? We just created a show based in Fortnite. It's called Nort Fight Show. Pretty cheesy, pretty fun. Lots of fun with Fortnite. So if you like a uh, custom uh, Fortnite wraps that get real gritty, yeah, check it out. Nort Fight Show. That's kind of something new I've been working on. Where's that at? We posted on YouTube. Nort Fight Show. So it's basically spelt Fortnite, just how the game is spelt, but you just swap the N and the F. I'm good. I'm going to go see Jurassic World tomorrow, and I'll uh, get back to you with my thoughts on that. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on that on our Friday program. And again, my wholehearted thanks to everyone that's listening out there and to our newest stations, KBOG, Youth Jam Radio, and Variety FM. Thank you so much again for allowing Pop Culture Cosmos as a part of your programming schedule. So for Josh Peterson and Chad Smith, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day here in paradise, right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle, soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, whatever you're in the mood for. If you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Caster Quest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.